Hey guys, welcome back to the Capital Games Podcast. You've got Tyler Sells here, along with the constant co-host, Sam Johnson. Sam, how are you today? Doing well, Tyler. What do you, uh, you got a little drink next to you today? I do. I'm drinking some Naked Juice. Uh, they've sponsored the podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> what, what flavor? Um, let me see. We've got the uh, Blue Machine blend of uh, apples and berries and stuff. It's great. Wow. Nice little, nice little sugar little, cake to get the morning started, right? Yeah, I've got a little Java, some some Matron coffee. You're sitting on your rooftop, I see. Yes, I am sitting on my rooftop here on Wall Street in uh, the financial district of New York City. Whereabouts are you? How's the weather over there? It's a beautiful fall day. It's like kind of getting into um, into a little bit chillier weather. So obviously, rocking the hoodie, but uh, it's not. It's not terrible. It's nice and sunny. It's amazing. The vest season is coming out um, for you guys. Yeah, right? yeah. Yep, I'm, here, I'm here in Long Beach. Weather has not really changed since I uh, since I moved here. So nice. Nothing Still for, summer. Nothing, nothing to report back there. It is funny though. I see some people like wearing. I'll see people like wear uh, vests. Like kind of in the office district I, I work in. I'll see people wear vests, and I'm just like, you just really don't need. I haven't brought out the vest yet. You don't need one. It's it's not um, <laughs> it's not chilly enough. We'll Still see. seventy degrees outside. Before we before we launch into the podcast, I've got a question for you, Sam. You've been watching the um, the new Lord of the Rings Amazon show. I have, yeah, Rings of Power. I have been watching it. I haven't seen the most recent episode that came out this week, but I've seen the other ones. Yeah, it's interesting. What are your, what are your thoughts about it? You know, I, I, we've talked a lot about recession indicators over the past few <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> and I think this show is a re- is a literal walking recession indicator. One billion dollars on no yeah, storyline, no writing, no good acting talent, just purely CGI and costumes is all they spent a billion dollars on. It is kind of crazy when you think about like Game of Thrones was up until this point the most expensive TV show ever made, and like how insane that was. And then you look at this, and it's like wow, they've spent like a decent chunk more. And it doesn't seem to be any better. It's probably worse. I personally don't think it's as bad as you do. I kind of think the storyline is coming together. Um, and I have some predictions about certain things. But uh, it, it definitely doesn't, it doesn't feel like a billion-dollar TV show, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, Game of Thrones are at the point where they're spending like $15 million an episode there at the end. Um, I just think like the show is beautiful. It's like crazy that CGI can do this now. The lighting, like everything of that is great. And I love Lord of the Rings storylines in general, but I don't know. I just have felt like the, the, the way they bounce between storylines, it's too weak. So we'll see. Yeah. I, have some, I have some hope, but um, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll get better, uh, but nowhere near Game of Thrones. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've uh, talked about one recession indicator, maybe we should go into the next. <laughs> yeah. So I think the biggest piece of news that me and Tyler wanted to discuss this week was uh, Chairman Powell raising the Fed funds rate another 75 basis points. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit last week, what our predictions were. Um, luckily, we didn't get a full percentage point. Uh, well, I guess luckily, depending on what your philosophy is about how the Fed should act. But 75 basis points, the verbiage around kind of what the next few quarters looks like was not positive from Chairman Powell. So, uh, yeah, not great. Um, Tyler, what are your 
initial reactions after hearing this? Well, I think there's there's we expected a rate increase. That's no, it wasn't a surprise to anyone. I think what was more surprising is that we're beginning to see both the Fed's language and the market reception to this. Um, it'd be a little bit more like, okay, this is not, we're not going to have the soft landing that we once talked about. We're not going right. to have the Q1 2023 quick rebound. Um, right. you, you know, I think, I think that has been probably the thing that I've, I've paid more attention to this week. Um, because it seems like on other rate increases, it was like, wow, this is a big deal, but it's going to be okay. Um, right. and really this week, it does not feel like very many voices are saying it's going to be okay. Yeah, totally. I think I think that's a great point because from on the surface of it, you look at it, it's like okay, it's seventy five basis points. It's on track. It's been what we've been doing the entire year thus far. All right, it's not a big deal. But I think one thing that I've noticed about this set of uh, rate increases is that there hasn't been a lot of question about what the rate increase would be. Sure, there's people that speculate like, oh, this one's going to be a hundred, or this one's going to be fifty, but like. Most of that was locked in. I think yeah. most of the speculation and thus market volatility surrounded the way that Chairman Powell was going to kind of guide future rate hikes. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's interesting to see like the entire like stock market react to how somebody phrases things. Um, so that, that's been one thing that I've noticed. It's been different from past uh, yeah. past situations. Yeah. Well, and like, let's just take a quick look at, you know, is how it's like, I've got the Dow pulled up on how the market reacted to it. Yeah, it was um, very poor. You know, we're down this this week, past five days was down 3.69%. And, um, you know, you really see it. There's a dip that happened on Wednesday, Wednesday into Thursday was pretty major. Looking at the S&P quickly, it's down 4%. Looking at six month marks, I mean, we're down. Um, you know, Friday close was three on the S&P 500 was 3,693. Um, that's right next to the lows that we had in, um, you know, early June before we kind of had the right. rebound. So like we've really tanked and, you know, I think the, the, the question here is, um, is if this is where we stand today with where rate hikes are, like in the feds, you know, expecting at least another one or two. You know, like how much further is this going to drag the economy down and where where are people going to be spending their money the next few months? I think those are the questions that I have. Yeah. And I think the fact that uh, Chairman Powell kind of guided that we are going to be at this kind of four to four and a half percentage spot once all of the rate hikes are done for like it, what is going to be an extended period of time. I think that's kind of the biggest thing that is uh, concerning because it's not like, okay, we're going to race this level and then immediately start cutting. So then it's like, okay, there's going to be a lag obviously to both of yeah. both the rise and the, the lowering of rates. But in a short amount of time period, we're going to be, the economy is going to be back to, to going. Um, but if we raise and then hold it at a, at a high level for a while, uh, that just obviously delays kind of the economic rebound. So um yeah, it's not a, it's not great news, I would say, um, but you know, it, yeah, it's it's just not great. Like, there's no real way to like put a positive spin on this. Well, I think the thing that's interesting about it, and one of the things that I've reflected on, is it's like it's not great, but the reason why it's not great is because it was so good for so long. I mean, that's like, very so, true. So many people 
from retail investors up to like, you know, the biggest funds were you're just crushing it. I mean, they were just right. like crushing it on free money. And so, you know, I think Jama from the All In podcast several weeks ago has talked about this, where he just said, like, listen, we've got to erase a lot of gains. And I think that like that's gonna be true and it's it's gonna come from all over the place, but um there's got to be some market correction here. I think the opportunity then lies. It's like I think for people like you or I, other you know people in their twenties, early twenties, is that we actually don't have a lot riding on the stock market. We may have some four hundred one ks. We may have money we choose to put in it, but we're not sitting here saying like we can't retire next year because of this. Um, none of us probably own homes or we're even about to buy homes. So interest rates don't really matter to us. It's in some ways, like at a global macro scale, they do. But like you're not going to go and buy a home next year. Um, so I think it's interesting to see where it's like, it's not going to today, it's not necessarily affecting our lives, but given how, how intense the next six months could be, we could be sitting in a place where it's a very different job, economic, you know, future or our actual companies themselves could be struggling just because of general tightening or company spend tightening. I think that's where it starts to get scary, but I think at a high level, like it doesn't really touch us in our personal lives. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, so I have a point that uh, kind of going back to like how good it's been over the last few years. I actually have had a couple of discussions with friends that work in finance um, and investing here in New York City. And I've talked to them about like, okay, what, like over the last, honestly, like 12 to 13, 14 years since the great financial crisis, like how good of an investor have you been? Because everything's been going up. And so right. like there's the, the average investor, whether it's a retail investor or even an institutional investor has not really like, like there's, there's a really strong argument to say that they are not actually that good at what they do because they've just ridden the wave. And so like, I remember a friend of mine um, kind of talking about like how well his money manager like performed to one year. And I was like, well, he got four percentage points above what the S and P achieved for I'm sure a lot more risk than what the S and P had. So it's like how, like, there's just a disconnect there that I think, you know, as the tide goes out, there's going to be a lot of professional investors that are going to be kind of left wondering like, okay, I'm actually not as good at this as I thought I was. Um, Yeah. I saw something on Twitter where it's like, that wasn't a good investment. It was just low interest rates. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that was a little point I wanted to make on that. I think to your point about what, um, like for us personally, as people are in their early twenties, living in big cities across the United States, yeah, there's not a lot that's going to be affected by us. Um, you know, like you said, we're not, we can't buy a house. Not a ton of our net worth is in the stock market. Um, a lot of it is going to be kind of secondary, uh, or second quarter or third order effects that trickle down to us. So our companies laying people off. Um, you know, inflation at the grocery store, at the gas pump, stuff like that is going to be where it's going to hurt the most. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Well, so then, you know, with that in mind, I think like the question for us becomes, it's like, okay, looking at this, you know, like we have like really anyone in their early 20s today has probably two options. 
you know, you can look at what's going on in the world and be like, wow, like this is crazy. Not really going to pay attention to it. I'm going to keep doing my job. You know, hope it, hopefully like I don't get laid off and the recession isn't so bad that I lose my job or I can't find another job. Maybe it means you can't like get the promotion by leaving a company to go to the next company because there's not as many job openings, like small things like that. And so there's got one view where it's like, I'm just going to kind of let this walk, walk, like just watch and let this play out. But what is the proactive view here? Like we're looking at this, like the market's bad, job opportunities are going to be tough. How do we make the most of the next, let's call it two years while we get this washed through the system and come out of this on the top instead of, you know, spending, you know, two years, like right. most other 23 year olds just saying, Hey, we're going to watch this happen. I have a couple of thoughts on that. So uh, I believe it's Charlie Munger that says fortunes are built in downturns and reaped in times of like in, in good times. And so yeah. I think this is the time when, if you have extra money, obviously the stock market is like the lowest uh, barrier to entry place to invest. Um, so you know, it's basically everything's on sale right now. So find some good companies that you like and put as much money as you can into those. I wouldn't say that's going to be a life-changing amount of money in two years that you're going to make from but the, that. But the question is, Sam, like at the same point, like, I don't know if I would, I don't know, like I have extra cash. I don't know if I want to do that today because I think personally in six months, cash could be more valuable if the economy starts to, if the, if the market continues to go down and uh, times get harder, like I don't want to be sitting in six months from now with that hundred dollars now at $60 and right. it's, you know, I don't want to pull it out. Like, I, I think that's the danger there too. Like, I don't know if, I don't know. I mean, that's the risk you take with investing though, right? Like I, I was talking to a friend about it yesterday. He was asking me like, how do I start investing? And I said, well, if you're leaving your money in the bank account, it's losing roughly 8% a year. Like there's a hundred percent chance it's losing 8%. If you put it in the market and start investing, sure, there's a chance you could lose more than 8%, but there's also a chance that you can make more than 8%. So it's kind of like what you're comfortable with risk-wise. So I think the one thing is like find stuff like that that you want to invest, like buying Apple, Microsoft, all of these big blue chip companies, like sure, they're not going to go anywhere, put some money into that. But I think uh, another thing that is kind of, it's, it's easy to say that in certain positions if you have the extra cash, I think the other thing you should be worrying about, though, is just like regular cash management on spending in everyday life, right? Like it's time to kind of tighten the belt a little bit and uh, and cut back on certain things. Like I've, I've started doing this with my own personal budget on a lot of different things. And like, you know, it's it's time to like build a little bit of a buffer where you can weather out a tough economic time like this, in my opinion, at least. Well, and I think then that's part of the, that's one of the unique challenges here is I think lots of people who are in their first year, two year, three years of their job, um, they're not making a lot, right? Comparative to what they right. have to spend to live, especially if you're living in a big city on the coast, you're not making a lot and you're spending a lot of that on everyday life to, to be in that city. Like, I think I'm spending like 500 a month on gasoline to get back and forth to work because I live in California. <laughs> right. It's like crazy. Um, but at the same time, you know, like, I think I even kind of walked into this. So it's like, well, hey, I'm not going to make a ton of money this year. Um, I may be able to make more money next year. You know, as you look and as you look at that. But one of the thoughts is like, well, I, you know, I don't need to save a ton today or this year because, you know, like I just don't have that much money in my budget. And then in a couple of years, I'll be able to make up for not saving right off the bat because my income will be higher. And I think that's one of the things that I've even seen myself change a little bit being like, well, 
you know, it may take longer to get raises company. Like next year is a bad year. Companies aren't going to be giving out the same level of bonuses or they're not going to be promoting as many people. Um, right. So that's one of the things I've been conscious of. I think Dave Ramsey talks about like a three month emergency fund, which is like <laughs> get three months yeah. of salary and an emergency fund. And that's like really, really hard to do. But, um, you know, I think that's like, that's like, that's a good, that's a good baseline to aim for in some cases. Oh, totally. And I think like I've, I've, this is going to be tough if you don't live in a big city, but there's certain apps that you can use that you get like, uh, basically if you order from certain restaurants, they'll give you gift cards to like, you know, like stuff that you don't need to spend money on like Lulu or Nike or stuff like that. But they also give you gift cards to like Target where you can go buy groceries and stuff like that. So I've found like a few different things just like that to try to like save some money, like really looked into credit cards and like maxing, like getting the max benefits from those. So there's different things that you can do. You just have to put a little bit of work into it to like figure out stuff like that. Like I just got a credit card um, from Amex that gives me like 6% cash back on groceries. And that's like one of my bigger expenses that I spend every month is groceries. So there's stuff like that. I mean, in New York city, there's a huge culture around going out for drinks and going out for food with friends. And so I've started like kind of cutting back on that a bit and just like, like, Hey, like, you know, I'm happy to make food at my place and we can eat here. Like, for example, this morning I went and grabbed bagels with some buddies and I paid for the bagel, but I brought my own coffee because I knew that that was going to be an extra five bucks or more, you know? Right. So like just little things like that is like you, you, there's, there's margin a lot of the time when you don't think there is. In yeah. My opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's it's also coming out a tough time for some of us just because like we came out of COVID at like college. Uh, where right. We kind of were like, man, like this, it sucked for a lot of people in all kinds of different ways. Whether you're at a big state school or a small private school or in places like New York or LA, it sucked. And so I think that's also one of the challenges. It's like, we've got to be extra disciplined because like what we want to do is like, we're out, we got a, we got our first careers, like we're ready to go make money, spend money, have fun. Um, but the challenge is it's like, we kind of have to be diligent here. So I think that's some helpful background, at least in terms of how we're seeing and viewing everything. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that we've spoken about with this podcast that we want to try to do a little bit better is take really high level news stuff that you might, you know, if, if you're not like me and Tyler are kind of financial news junkies, you might see every now and then, but you aren't really like super plugged into and taking that stuff, boiling it down to a place where you can understand it and then applying it to everyday life as an early 20, you know, a professional in the early twenties. And so I think these are a couple of things that like you definitely want to pay attention to. Like, you know, obviously there's layoffs in the news and, and all of that, but there's certain things that you can do in your own life to like, yourself for the worst if that comes god forbid, yeah. you know and it's one of the things we've talked about before as well it's like it's like we're not like part of the reason why you know we should be paying attention to this is because it's not going to be the first time we go through it um, 100%. but it will probably be the first time we go through it where our odds are, are like what we're staking is really low like at the end of the day if stuff really hit the fan like really badly like i could go back and and live live with my parents for a year i could you know, like go find a job in the middle of the country and like figure out how to survive. Things just got absolutely terrible, but I'm not risking my wife, kids. I'm not risking a right, payment right. that I have. I'm not risking a 15 year career I've built up. So if we can learn some of these practices 
uh, yeah. that today, here, now, at the end of the day, it's only going to benefit us when this happens again in 10 years. So, Right. You know, that's that's such a great point. Like, like I personally have been trying to really pay attention to a lot of what's going on right now because of that exact reason. Like, I think I've dialed up my intake of a lot of financial news and reading a lot and trying to learn as much as I can because I don't personally want to be in a position in another eight to 10 years, whenever the next recession is, where I am not ready to capitalize on it. And so I think that should be kind of like, even if you aren't interested that much in finance or tech or any of this, like literally just sitting there and paying attention and saying like, Hey, you know, this might be a good time to invest into some stocks or into some real estate or whatever it might be. Like the amount of people that did that in 2008, that, that like, I was just talking to somebody the other day who their dad was working some corporate job in Texas. He left that job and then started investing in real estate. And like, like the amount of people that have done that and, and done really well for themselves and like, like bought financial freedom and all of that, you know, it's, it's like powerful. It's a powerful thing. And so paying attention to, to times like these is going to prepare you well for the, the next go around when we have another recession. And there's, there's things in a larger picture too. Like I, one of the things I've seen recently is obviously there's been some layoffs. Um, a lot of tech companies are starting to tighten up, especially ones that have really high burn rates. Um, but, you know, I saw some interesting date, data. I think again, it is on Twitter from someone kind of in the financial news. And they were saying like, there's this trend that happens during economic downturns. Um, and the fact that most companies start laying off and cutting their burn just a little too late. Um, right. And there are like, there's like really proven statistics about people, about companies that begin slowing down hiring or stopping hiring and then do kind of proactive earlier layoffs and how they're able to like retool um, and come out of the recession stronger um, than the companies that didn't. And so that's a very small thing where it's like, if you don't, if you don't mentally clock that, like, then if you're someday running a company or running a team in 30 in 10 years where you yeah. have 40 people under you like you kind of have to be thinking about these things okay if the economy downturns i need to get ahead of firing and hiring practices and being more entrepreneurial otherwise we're going to be in trouble so little things like that that we need to be clocking and paying attention to here no totally totally and i think it's it's this it's there's a lot of uh second and third and fourth and fifth order things that happen when the economy contracts that you need to pay attention to in a time like this. Because if you're in your early 20s, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're a friend of me and Tyler, whatever it might be, you probably like, you know, hopefully I would hope for you that you're in a position of authority by the time the next recession comes around. And you're going to have to make decisions that are going to affect a lot more people than just you. And so I think paying attention to things like this is, is extremely important because there's no other experience like living through a recession. Like you can read about it in a textbook. You can watch uh, an interview about it, all of that. But unless you've like actually lived through one where you're in the job market, you're working at a company, all of that, like the, the, the feeling is not the same. It's like yeah. playing in the Super Bowl. Like you can watch as many videos about Tom Brady playing in the Super Bowl, but unless you're Tom Brady playing in the Super Bowl, you don't know what it's like. Well, and, and, and we're actually are kind of in a little bit of a unique position where it's like there are guys at my company um, who, and probably similar to your Sam, who they're much older than us. They've been around, they've been in the career for a while, uh, but this is also their first time going through a recession, right? right. And like they can right. be 27, 28, and this is their first time watching this play out. 
Um, and, you know, they're able to view it from a lot more like a lens of like, hey, I've been here, I've seen the ups and the downs, but those are good people to talk to about how they're viewing everything too. the guys and girls that are a little bit older than you, um, because they're kind of bringing in a unique perspective. But our benefit is we get to start our careers. Sure, we're not jump starting our careers, like some people who did like right after 2020 when the market was up. But at the same time, we're kickstarting our careers off with some really hard, you know, hard knock life lessons. And I think that can be good for All us. Right. Yeah, no, I think so too. Like I'd rather, I, I'd rather front end a lot of these learning experiences and uh, tough economic lessons than be, like you said a few minutes ago, being like in my late twenties, married, have kids and the stakes are a lot higher. And this is the right. first time you're going through it. You can't it, you go know? back home and live with your parents and work at McDonald's right. if that's the case. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. great. Well, hey, let's just like touch on a few more news, news stories before we wrap up, before we wrap up here today, a few things I want to mention, first of all, um, continue, like, just like we're talking about paying attention to this, just pay attention to reading some articles on the Ukraine, Russia situation. Um, it's been a long time since we've kind of had, um, you know, kind of some global powers and like, we're playing these weird kind of proxy wars where, you know, like we're pushing against Russia, but we're also not, we want their oil, you know, we want to fight for Ukraine, Ukraine's doing well, Russia's starting to militarize more people. I think they just did a draft of like trying to draft like 300,000 people to mobilize. Um, I saw like today in this news, like, you know, all the airports in Russia are like blocked or like slammed. They're trying to like you know, yeah. not let people leave. Like there's all kinds of things going on and it's pretty unique. I don't know how it's going to impact Europe this winter, but I think it's a really interesting situation to track. It's been, it's kind of wild. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely a big deal for sure. I, yeah, I think stay away from on- the politicized nature of it and just go to the facts around what's happening. And right. Yeah. 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 I saw some stuff on Twitter of uh, a, um, like a, pl- a flight tracker. And it showed all the flights in uh, in Russia that were leaving, and it was it was pretty insane. So um, I would say tw- stay away from Twitter as a as a news source, but uh, yeah, definitely pay attention to that. It's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and then I think last but not least here, um, the era of SPACs are uh, <laughs> right not quite coming to an end, but things sure aren't as rosy as they once were. No, definitely SPAC. So for those of you that may not know, SPAC, is, it stands for Special Purpose Acquisition, either corporation or company. Um, it's kind of an investment vehicle to bring a company public. Um, there will be a lot better definitions of it online. Um, but yeah, the, the long and short uh, of it is you collect investors' money, you go and look for an, a, you know, a company to do a deal with and go public. Um, you know, investors have the opportunity to pull out their money once, you know, a deal is, once a deal is announced, it can have like time to pull out money. And I think that's part of the danger around what's happening now, but yeah, go ahead. Sam. Yeah, no, it's just been, it's been tough because uh, the, the economics around it make a lot of sense in an up market because by the time you take the company public, obviously the shares are higher than what you initially IPO'd kind of the shell corporation at. Um that's obviously not the case with the current situation in the stock market. So a lot of these companies, a lot of these SPACs are not performing well that were already listed. And then a lot of SPACs that are still looking for companies to take public are kind of having to either uh, unwind or kind of alter, you know, the, the 
mandate for the kind of companies they're looking for and all that, just because, you know, valuations are not a lot, a lot of these companies that they're trying to take public, the founders of these companies think the valuation should be a lot higher than what the public market suggests. So they're kind of still stuck in fall of 2021 yeah. and thinking that, you know, their company is worth uh, 60. Well, and it could get back there too. Right? It, it could get back there in two years, maybe not to that exact same level, but it, they could eventually build we'll it back know, up to yeah. that. And at the end of the day, like no one wants to go public in a down market. Like it's just, you're not going right. to see people trying to get exits because it's a bad time to go public. And so I think that aligns with SPACs too. But, you know, I don't, I don't know if, I think these will be, these are going to stick around, but I think they'll come back. I think um, they'll be used again, but I definitely think the model has shown some cracks uh, for sure. Yeah. I think the model, I think for it to be successful, like my initial take on it is that the model needs to be a little bit more protective of the individual investors who are investing in it. Cause obviously, you know, there's, there's some questionable incentives around some of the fee structures um, and not every investor that invests in this is, is like, uh, you know, like an idiot, I guess you could say. Like, there's a lot of super, uh, like big institutions, super uh, complex. Like, they know what they're doing, like hedge funds and all that. Yeah. So they know what they're doing. It's just like I, I don't love that. It seems like a lot of these spacs were raised by people who don't necessarily have um, expertise in the area that they're raising it in. There just might be a household name in whatever field it might be. Like I know Billy Bean, the Moneyball guy, raises sports back, like stuff like that. Um, and not that he's a guy that doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, your voice, uh, your mic's kind of cut out here at the end, Sam. But um, I know we got a like just let us like your last sentence. But I know we're coming close to time here. Um, so I can kind of go ahead and wrap it up for us, but, um, guys, this is in the new format. We're going to spend a little bit more time talking casually and we're going to talk a little bit more about it. Sorry, I, kind of lost. I can't hear you. Sorry. 